CD7. That I am, said Mr. Weevil, struggling to his feet. She's a fine woman who bakes a very reasonable steak and onion pie, and she has all her own teeth. I know that, cause she showed I. Her youngest son got her a set of fancy store-bought teeth all the way from the big city, and very handsome she looks in them. She was kind enough to loan them to I one day when I had a difficult piece of pork to tackle, and a man doesn't forget a kindness like that. Uh, you don't think you ought to think about this, do you? said Tiffany. Mr. Weevil laughed. Think? I got no business to be thinking about it, young lady. Who are you to tell an old un like I that he ought to be thinking? I'm ninety-one, I am. Got to be up and doing. Besides, I have reason to believe by the twinkle in her eye that the widow Tussie will not turn up her nose at my suggestion. I've seen a fair number of twinkles over the years, and that was a good un. "'and I dare say that suddenly having a box of gold "'will fill in the corners, as my old dad would say.' "'It took ten minutes for Mr. Weevil to get changed, "'with a lot of struggling and bad language "'and no help from Tiffany, "'who was told to turn her back and put her hands over her ears. "'Then she had to help him out into the garden, "'where he threw away one walking-stick "'and waggled a finger at the weeds. "'And I'll be chopping down the lot of you tomorrow!' "'he shouted triumphantly. "'At the garden gate,' He grasped the post and pulled himself nearly vertical, panting. "'All right,' he said, just a little anxiously. "'It's now or never. I look okay, does I?' "'You look fine, Mr. Weevil. Everything clean, everything done up?' "'Er, uh, yes,' said Tiffany. "'How's my hair look?' "'Er, uh, you don't have any, Mr. Weevil,' she reminded him. "'Ah, right, yes, tis true. I'll have to buy one of the what do you call ems like a hat made of hair.' "'Have I got enough money for that, do you think?' "'A wig? You could buy thousands, Mr. Weevil.' "'Ah, right!' His gleaming eyes looked around the garden. "'Any flowers out? I can't see too well. "'Ah, spectacles! I saw em once made of glass. "'Makes you see good as new. "'That's what I need. Have I got enough for spectacles?' "'Mr. Weevil,' said Tiffany, "'you've got enough for anything.' "'Why, bless you,' said Mr. Weevil.' "'But right now I need a bow-quetter flowers girl. "'Can't go courting without flowers, and I can't see none. "'Anything left?' "'A few roses were hanging on among the weeds and briars in the garden. "'Tiffany fetched a knife from the kitchen and made them up into a bouquet. "'Ah, good,' he said. "'Late bloomers, just like I.' "'He held them tightly in his free hand and suddenly frowned and fell silent "'and stood like a statue.' "'I wish my Toby and my Mary was going to be able to come to the wedding,' he said quietly. "'But they're dead, you know.' "'Yes,' said Tiffany. "'I know, Mr. Weevil.' "'And I could wish that my Nancy was alive, too, "'although, being as I hopes to be marrying another lady, "'that ain't a sensible wish, maybe. "'Ah, nearly everyone I knows is dead.' Mr. Weevil stared at the bunch of flowers for a while and then straightened up again. "'Still?' "'Can't do nothing about that, can we? "'Not even for a box full of gold.' "'No, Mr. Weevil,' said Tiffany hoarsely. "'Oh, don't cry, girl. "'The sun is shining, the birds is singing, "'and what's past can't be mended, eh?' "'said Mr. Weevil jovially. "'And the widow Tussie is waiting.' "'For a moment he looked panicky, "'and then he cleared his throat. "'Don't smell too bad, do I?' he said. "'Um, only of mothballs, Mr. Weevil.' 
Mothballs? Oh, mothballs is okay. Right then, time's a wasting. Using only the one stick, waving his other arm with the flowers in the air to keep balance, Mr. Weevil set off with surprising speed. Well, said Mistress Weatherwax, as with jacket flying he rounded the corner, that was nice, wasn't it? Tiffany looked around quickly. Mistress Weatherwax was still nowhere to be seen, but she was somewhere to be unseen. Tiffany squinted at what was definitely an old wall with some ivy growing up it, and it was only when the old witch moved that she spotted her. She hadn't done anything to her clothes, hadn't done any magic as far as Tiffany knew, but she'd simply faded in. Uh, yes, said Tiffany, taking out a handkerchief and blowing her nose. But it worries you, said the witch. You think it shouldn't have ended like that, right? No, said Tiffany hotly. It would have been better if he'd been buried in some old cheap coffin paid for by the village, you think? No! Tiffany twisted up her fingers. Mistress Weatherwax was sharper than a field of pins. But, all right, it just doesn't seem fair. I mean, I wish the Feagles hadn't done that. I'm sure I could have sorted it all out somehow, saved up. It's an unfair world, child. Be glad you have friends. Tiffany looked up at the tree line. Yes, said Mistress Weatherwax, but not up there. I'm going away, said Tiffany. I've been thinking about it, and I'm going away. Broomstick, said Mistress Weatherwax. It don't move fast. No. Where would I fly to? Home? I don't want to take it there. Anyway, I can't just fly off with it roaming around. When it... When I meet it, I don't want to be near people, you understand? I know what I... what it can do if it's angry. It half killed Miss Level. And if it follows you? Good. I'll take it up there somewhere, Tiffany waved at the mountains. All alone? I don't have a choice, do I? Mistress Weatherwax gave her her look that went on too long. No, she said, you don't. But neither have I. That's why I will come with you. Don't argue, miss. How would you stop me, eh? Oh, that reminds me. Them mysterious bruises Mrs. Towney gets is because Mr. Towney beats her. And the father of Miss Quickly's baby is young Fred Turvey. You might mention that to Miss Level. As she spoke, a bee flew out of her ear. Bait, thought Tiffany a few hours later as they walked away from Miss Level's cottage and up toward the high moors. I wonder if I'm bait just like in the old days when the hunters would tether a lamb or a baby goat to bring the wolves nearer. She's got a plan to kill the hiver, I know it. She's worked something out. It'll come for me and she'll just wave a hand. She must think I'm stupid. They had argued, of course, but Mistress Weatherwax had made a nasty personal remark. It was, You're eleven. Just like that. You're eleven, and what is Miss Tick going to tell your parents? Sorry about Tiffany, but we let her go off by herself to fight an ancient monster that can't be killed, and what's left of her is in this jar. Miss Level had joined in at that part, almost in tears. If Tiffany hadn't been a witch, she would have whined about everything being so unfair. In fact... They were being fair. She knew they were being fair. They were not thinking just of her, but of other people. And Tiffany hated herself, well, slightly, because she hadn't. But it was sneaky of them to choose this moment to be fair. That was unfair. No one had told her she was only nine when she went into Fairyland armed with just a frying pan. Admittedly, no one else had known she was going except the Knack Knack Feagle, and she was much taller than they were. Would she have gone if she'd known what was in there, she wondered? Yes, I would have. And you're going to face the hiver, even though you don't know how to beat it? Yes, 
I am. There's part of me still in it. I might be able to do something. But aren't you just ever so slightly glad that Mistress Weatherwax and Miss Level won the arguments, and now you're going off very bravely, but you just happen to be accompanied completely against your will by the most powerful witch alive? Tiffany sighed. It was dreadful when your own thoughts tried to gang up on you. The Feagles hadn't objected to her going to find the Hiver. They did object to not being allowed to come with her. They'd been insulted, she knew. But as Mistress Weatherwax had said, this was true haggling and there was no place in it for Feagles. If the Hiver came out there, not in a dream but for real, it'd have nothing about it that could be kicked or head-butted. Tiffany had tried to make a little speech, thanking them for their help, but Rob anybody had folded his arms and turned his back. It had all gone wrong. But the old witch had been right. They could get hurt. The trouble was, explaining to Feagles how dangerous things were going to be only got them more enthusiastic. She left them arguing with one another. It had not gone well. But now that was all behind her, in more ways than one. The trees beside the track were less bushy and more pointy. Or, if Tiffany had known more about trees, she would have said the oaks were giving way to evergreens. She could feel the hiver. It was following them, but a long way back. If you had to imagine a head witch, you wouldn't imagine Mistress Weatherwax. You might imagine Mrs Earwig, who glided across the floor as though she was on wheels and had a dress as black as the darkness in a deep cellar. But Mistress Weatherwax was just an old woman with a lined face and rough hands in a dress as black as night, which is never as black as people think. It was dusty and ragged around the hem, too. On the other hand, thought her second thoughts, you once bought Granny Aching a china shepherdess, remember? All blue and white and sparkly. Her first thoughts thought, Well, yes, but I was a lot younger then. Her second thoughts thought, Yes, but which one was the real shepherdess? The shiny lady in the nice clean dress and buckled shoes, or the old woman who stumped around in the snow with boots filled with straw and a sack across her shoulders? At which point Mistress Weatherwax stumbled. She caught her balance very quickly. "'Dangerously loose stones on this path,' she said. "'Watch out for them.' Tiffany looked down. There weren't that many stones, and they didn't seem very dangerous or particularly loose. How old was Mistress Weatherwax? That was another question she wished she hadn't asked. She was skinny and wiry, just like Granny Aching, the kind of person who goes on and on. But one day Granny Aching had gone to bed and had never got up again, just like that. The sun was setting. Tiffany could feel the hiver in the same way that you can sense that someone is looking at you. It was still in the woods that hugged the mountain like a scarf. At last the witch stopped at a spot where rocks, like pillars, sprouted out of the turf. She sat down with her back to a big rock. This'll have to do, she said. It'll be dark soon, and you could turn an ankle on all this loose stone. There were huge boulders around them, house-sized, that had rolled down from the mountains in the past. The rock of the peaks began not far away, a wall of stone that seemed to hang above Tiffany like a wave. It was a desolate place. Every sound echoed. She sat down by Mistress Weatherwax and opened the bag that Miss Level had packed for the journey. Tiffany wasn't very experienced at things like this, but according to the Book of Fairy Tales, the typical food for taking on an adventure was bread and cheese. Hard cheese, too. Miss Level had made them ham sandwiches with pickles, and she'd included napkins. That was kind of a strange thought to keep in your head. We're trying to find a way of killing a terrible creature, but at least we won't be covered in crumbs. There was a bottle of cold tea, too, 
and a bag of biscuits. Miss Level knew Mistress Weatherwax. Shouldn't we light a fire? Tiffany suggested. Why? It's a long way down to the tree line to get the firewood, and there'll be a fine half moon up in twenty minutes. Your friend's keeping its distance, and there's nothing else that'll attack us up here. Are you sure? I walk safely in my mountains, said Mistress Weatherwax. But aren't there trolls and wolves and things? Oh, yes, lots. And they don't try to attack you? Not any more, said a self-satisfied voice in the dark. Pass me the biscuits, will you? Here you are. Would you like some pickles? Pickles gives me the wind something awful. In that case, oh, I wasn't saying no, Mistress Weatherwax said, taking two large pickled cucumbers. Oh, good, Tiffany thought. She'd brought three fresh eggs with her. Getting the hang of a shamble was taking too long. It was stupid. All the other girls were able to use them. She was sure she was doing everything right. She'd filled her pocket with random things. Now she pulled them out without looking, wove the thread around the egg as she'd done a hundred times before, grasped the pieces of wood and moved them so that, pock, the egg cracked and oozed. I told you, said Mistress Weatherwax, who'd opened one eye. They're toys, sticks and stones. "'Have you ever used one?' said Tiffany. "'No. Couldn't get the hang of them. They got in the way,' Mistress Weatherwax yawned, wrapped the blanket around her, made a couple of noises as she tried to get comfortable against the rock, and after a while her breathing became deeper. Tiffany waited in silence, her blanket around her, until the moon came up. She'd expected that to make things better, but it didn't. Before there had just been darkness. Now there were shadows.' There was a snore beside her. It was one of those good solid ones, like ripping canvas. Silence happened. It came across the night on silver wings, noiseless as the fall of a feather. Silence made into a bird, which alighted on a rock close by. It swivelled its head to look at Tiffany. There was more than just the curiosity of a bird in that look. The old woman snored again. Tiffany reached out, still staring at the owl, and shook her gently. When that didn't work, she shook her hardly. There was a sound like three pigs colliding, and Mistress Weatherwax opened one eye and said, Ooh! There's an owl watching us. It's right up close. Suddenly the owl blinked, looked at Tiffany as if amazed to see her, spread its wings and glided off into the night. Mistress Weatherwax gripped her throat, coughed once or twice, and then said hoarsely, Of course it was an owl, child. It took me ten minutes to lure it this close. Now just you be quiet while I starts again. Otherwise I shall have to make do with a bat. And when I goes out on a bat for any time at all, I ends up thinking I can see with my ears, which is no way for a decent woman to behave. But you were snoring. I was not snoring. I was just resting gently while I tickled an owl closer. If you hadn't shaken me and scared it away, I'd have been up there with this entire moor under my eye. You take over its mind, said Tiffany nervously. No! I'm not one of your hivers. I just borrows a lift from it. I just nudges it now and again. It don't even know I'm there. Now, try the rest. But what if the hiver, if it comes anywhere near, it'll be me that tells you? Mistress Weatherwax hissed and lay back. Then her head jerked up one more time. And I do not snore, she added. After half a minute, she started to snore again. Minutes after that, the owl came back or perhaps it was a different owl. It glided onto the same rock, settled there for a while, and then sped away. The witch stopped snoring. In fact, she stopped breathing. 
Tiffany leaned closer and finally lowered an ear to the skinny chest to see if there was a heartbeat. Her own heart felt as if it was clenched like a fist. Because of the day she'd found Granny aching in the hut. She was lying peacefully on the narrow iron bed, but Tiffany had known something was wrong as soon as she stepped inside. Boom. Tiffany counted to three. Boom. Well, it was a heartbeat. Very slowly, like a twig growing, a stiff hand moved. It slid like a glacier into a pocket and came up holding a large piece of card on which was written, I ain't dead. Tiffany decided she wasn't going to argue, but she pulled the blanket over the old woman and wrapped her own around herself. By moonlight, she tried again with her shamble. Surely she should be able to make it do something. Maybe if... By moonlight, she very, very carefully... Pock! The egg cracked. The egg always cracked. And now there was only one left. Tiffany didn't dare try it with a beetle, even if she could have found one. That would be too cruel. She sat back and looked across the landscape of silver and black, and her third thoughts thought, It's not going to come near. Why? She thought, I'm not sure why I know, but I know. It's keeping away. It knows Mistress Weatherwax is with me. She thought, How can it know that? It's not got a mind. It doesn't know what a Mistress Weatherwax is. Still thinking, thought her third thoughts. Tiffany slumped against the rock. Sometimes her head was too crowded. And then it was morning and sunlight and dew on her hair and mist coming off the ground like smoke and an eagle sitting on the rock where the owl had been eating something furry. She could see every feather on its wing. It swallowed, glared at Tiffany with its mad bird eyes and flapped away making the mist swirl. Beside her, Mistress Weatherwax began to snore again, which Tiffany took to mean that she was in her body. She gave the old woman a nudge, and the sound that had been a regular <coughs> suddenly became a <coughs> The old woman sat up coughing and waved a hand irritably at Tiffany to pass her the tea bottle. She didn't speak until she'd gulped half of it. Ah, say what you like, but rabbit tastes a lot better cooked, she gasped, shoving the cork back in, and without the fur on. You took... "'Borrowed the eagle,' said Tiffany. "'Course. "'I couldn't expect the poor old owl to fly around after daybreak "'just to see who's about. "'It was hunting voles all night, and believe me, "'raw rabbits better than voles. "'Don't eat voles.' "'I won't,' said Tiffany, and meant it. "'Mistress Weatherwax, I think I know what the hive is doing. "'It's thinking. "'I thought it had no brains.' "'Tiffany let her thoughts speak for themselves.' But there's an echo of me in it, isn't there? There must be. It has an echo of everyone it's been. There must be a bit of me in it. And I know it's out there, and it knows I'm here with you, and it's keeping away. Oh, why's that then? Because it's frightened of you, I think. <laughs> and why's that? Yes, said Tiffany simply. It's because I am, a bit. Oh dear, are you? Yes, said Tiffany. It's like a dog that's been beaten but won't run away. It doesn't understand what it's done wrong, but there's something about it that... There's a thought that I'm nearly having. Mistress Weatherwax said nothing. Her face went blank. You're right, said Tiffany. I was just leaving you time to have that thought, said Mistress Weatherwax. Sorry, it's gone now. But we're thinking about the hiver in the wrong way. Oh, yes, and why's that? 
Because... Tiffany struggled with the idea. I think it's because we don't want to think about it the right way. It's something to do with the third wish, and I don't know what that means. The witch said, keep picking at that thought, and then looked up and added, we've got company. It took Tiffany several seconds to spot what Mistress Weatherwax had seen, a shape at the edge of the woods, small and dark. It was coming closer, but rather uncertainly. It resolved itself into the figure of Petulia, flying slowly and nervously a few feet above the heather. Sometimes she jumped down and wrenched the stick in a slightly different direction. She got off again when she reached Tiffany and Mistress Weatherwax, grabbed the broom hastily and aimed it at a large rock. It hit it gently and hung there trying to fly through stone. Um, sorry, she panted, but I, I can't always stop it, and this is better than an anchor. Um, she started to bob a curtsy to Mistress Weatherwax, remembered she was a witch and tried to turn it into a bow halfway down, which was an event you'd pay money to see. She ended up bent double, and from somewhere in there came a little voice. Um, can someone help, please? I think my octogram of Trimontane has got caught up in my pouch of nine herbs. There was a tricky minute while they untangled her, with Mistress Weatherwax muttering, Toys, just toys, as they unhooked bangles and necklaces. Petulia stood upright, red in the face. She saw Mistress Weatherwax's expression, whipped off her pointy hat and held it in front of her. This was a mark of respect, but it did mean that a two-foot, sharp, pointy thing was being aimed at them. Um, I, I went to see Miss Level, and she said you'd come up here after some horrible thing, she said. Um, so I thought I'd better see how you were. Um, that was very kind of you, said Tiffany, but her treacherous second thoughts thought. And what would you have done if it had attacked us? She had a momentary picture of Petulia standing in front of some horrible raging thing, but it wasn't as funny as she'd first thought. Petulia would stand in front of it, shaking with terror, her useless amulets clattering, scared almost out of her mind, but not backing away. She'd thought there might be people facing something horrible here, and she'd come up anyway. "'What's your name, my girl?' said Mistress Weatherwax. "'Um, Petulia Gristle, Mistress. I'm learning with Gwynefer Blackcap.' "'Old Mother Blackcap,' said Mistress Weatherwax. "'Very sound. Good woman with pigs. You did well to come here.' Petulia looked nervously at Tiffany. Um, are you all right? Miss Level said you've been ill. I'm much better now, but thank you very much for asking anyway, said Tiffany wretchedly. Look, I'm sorry about... Well, you were ill, said Petulia. And that was another thing about Petulia. She always wanted to think the best of everybody. This was sort of worrying if you knew that the person she was doing her best to think nice thoughts about was you. Are you going to go back to the cottage before the trials? Petulia went on. "'Trials?' said Tiffany, suddenly lost. "'The witch trials,' said Mistress Weatherwax. "'Today?' said Petulia. "'I'd forgotten all about them,' said Tiffany. "'I hadn't,' said the old witch calmly. "'I never miss a trial. "'Never missed a trial in sixty years. "'Would you do a poor old lady a favour, Miss Gristle, "'and ride that stick of yours back to Miss Level's place "'and tell her that Mistress Weatherwax presents her compliments "'and intends to head directly to the trials? "'Was she well?' "'Um,' She was juggling balls without using her hands, said Petulia in wonderment. And do you know what? I saw a fairy in her garden, a blue one. Really, said Tiffany, her heart sinking. Yes, it was rather scruffy, though. And when I asked it if it really was a fairy, it said it was some um, the big, stinky, horrible, spiky, iron-stinging little fairy from the land of Tinkle and called me a scunner. Do you know what that means? Tiffany looked into that round, hopeful face. She opened her mouth to say, It means someone who likes fairies, but stopped in time. 
That just wouldn't be fair, she sighed. Petulia, you saw a knack mac she said. It is a kind of fairy, but they're not the sweet kind. I'm sorry. They're good, well, more or less, but they're not entirely nice. And scunner is a kind of swear word. I don't think it's a particularly bad one, though. Petulia's expression didn't change for a while. Then she said, So it was a fairy, then? Well, yes, technically. The round pink face smiled. Good. I did wonder, because it was, um, you know, having a wee up against one of Miss Level's garden gnomes. Definitely a feagle, said Tiffany. Oh, well, I suppose the big, stinky, horrible, spiky iron stinger nettle needs a fairy, just like every other plant, said Petulia. Chapter 11. Arthur. When Petulia had gone, Mistress Weatherwax stamped her feet and said, Let's go, young lady. It's about eight miles to Shearcliff. They'll have started before we get there. What about the hiver? Oh, it can come if it likes. Mistress Weatherwax smiled. Oh, don't frown like that. There'll be more than 300 witches at the trials, and they're right out in the country. It'll be as safe as anything. Or do you want to meet the hiver now? We could probably do that. It don't seem to move fast. No, said Tiffany, louder than she'd intended. No, because things aren't what they seem. We do things wrong. Um, I can't explain it. It's because of the third wish, which you don't know what it is. Yes, but I will soon, I hope. The witch stared at her. Yes, I hope so too, she said. Well, no point in standing around, let's get moving. And with that, the witch picked up a blanket and set off as though being pulled by a string. We haven't even had anything to eat, said Tiffany, running after her. I had a lot of voles last night, said Mistress Weatherwax over her shoulder. Yes, but you didn't actually eat them, did you, said Tiffany. It was the owl that actually ate them. Technically, yes, Mistress Weatherwax admitted, but if you think you've been eating voles all night, you'd be amazed how much you don't want to eat anything the next morning. Or ever again. She nodded at a distant departing figure of Petulia. Friend of yours, she said as they set out. Um, if she is, I don't deserve it, said Tiffany. Hm, said Mistress Weatherwax. Well, sometimes we get what we don't deserve. For an old woman, Mistress Weatherwax could move quite fast. She strode over the moors as if distance was a personal insult but she was good at something else too. She knew about silence. There was the swish of her long skirt as it snagged the heathers, but somehow that became part of the background noise. In the silence, as she walked, Tiffany could still hear the memories. There were hundreds of them left behind by the hiver. Most of them were so faint that they were nothing more than slight, uncomfortable feeling in her head. But the ancient tiger still burned brightly in the back of her brain, and behind that was the giant lizard. They'd been killing machines the most powerful creatures in their world once. The hiver had taken them both, and then they died fighting. Always taking fresh bodies, always driving the owners mad with the urge for power, which would always end up getting them killed. And just as Tiffany wondered why, a memory said, because it is frightened. Frightened of what, Tiffany thought? It's so powerful. Who knows? "'But it's mad with terror, completely binkers!' "'Your sensibility bustle, aren't you?' said Tiffany, "'and then her ears informed her that she'd said this aloud. "'Talkative, ain't he?' said Mistress Weatherwax. "'He talked in your sleep the other night. "'He used to have a very high opinion of himself. "'I reckon that's why his memory is held together for so long.' "'He doesn't know binkers from bonkers, though,' said Tiffany. "'Well, memory fades,' said Mistress Weatherwax. "'She stopped and leaned against a rock. "'She sounded out of breath. "'Are you all right, Mistress?' said Tiffany. "'Sound as a bell,' said Mistress Weatherwax, wheezing slightly. 
Just getting my second wind. Anyway, it's only another six miles. I notice you're limping a bit, said Tiffany. Do you indeed? Then stop noticing. The shout echoed off the hills, full of command. Mistress Weatherwax coughed when the echo had died away. Tiffany had gone pale. It seems to me, said the old witch, that I might just have been a shade on the sharp side there. It was probably the voles, she coughed again. Them as knows me, or has earned it one way or the other, calls me Granny Weatherwax. I shall not take it amiss if you did the same. Granny Weatherwax, said Tiffany, shocked out of her shock by this new shock. Not technically, said Mistress Weatherwax quickly. It's what they call a honorific, like old mother so-and-so, or goody thingy, or nanny what's-her-name, to show that a witch has, is fully, um, has been, um, Tiffany didn't know whether to laugh or burst into tears. I know, she said. You do? Like Granny Aching, said Tiffany. She was my granny, but everyone on the chalk called her Granny Aching. Mrs Aching wouldn't have worked, she knew. You needed a big, warm, billowing, open kind of word. Granny Aching was there for everybody. It's like being everyone's grandmother, she added, and didn't add, who tells them stories. Well then, perhaps so. Granny Weatherwax it is said Granny Weatherwax, and added quickly, but not technically. Now we'd best be moving. She straightened up and set off again. Granny Weatherwax. Tiffany tried it out in her head. She'd never known her other grandmother, who died before she was born. Calling someone else Granny was strange, but oddly it seemed right. And you could have too. The hiver followed them. Tiffany could feel it, but it was keeping its distance. Well, there's a trick to take the trial, she thought. Granny, her brain tingled as she thought the word, Granny has got a plan she must have. But things weren't right. There was another thought she wasn't quite having. It ducked out of sight every time she thought she had it. The hiver wasn't acting right. She made sure she kept up with Granny Weatherwax. As they got nearer to the trials, there were clues. Tiffany saw at least three broomsticks in the air heading the same way. They reached a proper track, too, and groups of people were travelling in the same direction. There were a few pointy hats among them, which was a definite clue. The track dropped on down through some woods, came up in a patchwork of little fields, and headed for a tall hedge from behind which came the sound of a brass band playing a medley of songs from the shows, although by the sound of it no two musicians could agree on what song or which show. Tiffany jumped when she saw a balloon sail up above the trees, catch the wind and swoop away, but it turned out to be just a balloon and not a lump of excess brine. She could tell this because it was followed by a long scream of rage mixed with a roar of complaint. Ah, oh, what a, what a, gonna, gonna, a balloon! Which is the traditional sound of a very small child learning that with balloons, as with life itself, it is important to know when not to let go of the string. The whole point of balloons is to teach small children this. However, on this occasion, a broomstick with a pointy hatted passenger rose above the trees, caught up with the balloon, and towed it back down to the trials ground. "'Didn't used to be like this,' Granny Weatherwax grumbled as they reached the gate. "'When I was a girl, we used to meet up in some meadow somewhere all by ourselves. "'But now, oh no, it has to be a grand day out for all the family. "'Ha!' "'There had been a crowd around the gates leading into the field, "'but there was something about that ha. "'The crowd parted as if by magic, "'and the women pulled their children a little closer to them "'as Granny walked right up to the gate. "'There was a boy there selling tickets and wishing now that he'd never been born. "'Granny Weatherwax stared at him. Tiffany saw his ears go red. Two tickets, young man,' said Granny. Little bits of ice tinkled off her words. 
Uh, that, that'll be uh, one child and, and, and one senior citizen, the young man quavered. Granny leaned forward and said, What is a senior citizen, young man? Uh, it's like, you know, old folks, the boy mumbled. Now his hands were shaking. Granny leaned farther forward. The boy really, really wanted to step back, but his feet were rooted to the ground. All he could do was bend backwards. "'Young man,' said Granny, "'I am not now, nor shall I ever be, an old folk. "'We'll take two tickets, which I see on that board there is a penny apiece.' Her hand shot out fast as an adder. The boy made a noise like, "'Nee!' as he leapt back. "'Here's tuppence,' said Granny Weatherwax. Tiffany looked at Granny's hand. The first finger and thumb were held together, but there did not appear to be any coins between them. Nevertheless, the young man, grinning horribly, took the total absence of coins very carefully between his thumb and finger. Granny twitched two tickets out of his other hand. "'Thank you, young man,' she said, and walked into the field. Tiffany ran after her. "'What did—' she began, but Granny Weatherwax raised a finger to her lips, grasped Tiffany's shoulder, and swivelled her around. The ticket-seller was still staring at his fingers. He even rubbed them together. Then he shrugged, held them over his leather money-bag, and let go. Clink, clink. The crowd around the gate gave a gasp, and one or two of them started to applaud. The boy looked around with a sick kind of grin, as if, of course, he'd expected that to happen. "'Ah, right,' said Granny Weatherwax happily. "'And now I could just do with a cup of tea and maybe a sweet biscuit.' "'Granny, there are children here.' not just witches. People were looking at them. Granny Weatherwax jerked Tiffany's chin up so that she could look into her eyes. Look around, eh? You can't move down here for amulets and wands and what not. It'll be bound to keep away, eh? Tiffany turned to look. There were sideshows all around the field. A lot of them were funfair stuff that she'd seen before at agricultural shows around the chalk. Roll a penny, lucky dip bobbing for piranhas, that sort of thing. The ducking stool was very popular among young children on such a hot day. There wasn't a fortune-telling tent, because no fortune-teller would turn up at an event where so many visitors were qualified to argue and answer back. But there were a number of witch stalls. Zack-Zacks had a huge tent, with a display dummy outside wearing a skyscraper hat and a zephyr billow cloak, which had drawn a crowd of admirers. The other stalls were smaller, but they were thick with things that glittered and tinkled, and they were doing a brisk trade among the younger witches. There were whole stores full of dream-catchers and curse-nets, including the new self-emptying ones. It was odd to think of witches buying them, though. It was like fish buying umbrellas. Surely a, a hiver wouldn't come here with all these witches. She turned to Granny Weatherwax. Granny Weatherwax wasn't there. It is hard to find a witch at the witch trials, that is, it is too easy to find a witch at the witch trials, but very hard to find the one you're looking for, especially if you suddenly feel lost and all alone, and you can feel panic starting to open inside you like a fern. Most of the older witches were sitting at trestle tables in a huge roped-off area. They were drinking tea. Pointy hats bobbed as tongues wagged. Every woman seemed capable of talking while listening to all the others at the table at the same time, although this talent isn't confined to witches. It was no place to search for an old woman in black with a pointy hat. The sun was quite high in the sky now. The field was filling up. Witches were circling to land at the far end, and more and more people were pouring in through the gateway. 
The noise was intense. Everywhere Tiffany turned, black hats were scurrying. Pushing her way through the throng, she looked desperately for a friendly face, like Miss Tick or Miss Level or Petulia. If it came to it, an unfriendly one would do, even Mrs Earwig. And she tried not to think. She tried not to think that she was terrified and alone in this huge crowd, and that up on the hill, invisible, the hiver now knew this, because just a tiny part of it was her. She felt the hiver stir. She felt it begin to move. Tiffany stumbled through the chattering group of witches, their voices sounding shrill and unpleasant. She felt ill, as though she'd been in the sun too long. The world was spinning. A remarkable thing about a hiver, a reedy voice began somewhere in the back of her head, is that its hunting pattern mimics that of the common shark. Among other creatures... I do not want a lecture, Mr Bustle, Tiffany mumbled. I do not want you in my head. But the memory of Sensibility Bustle had never taken much notice of other people when he was alive, and it wasn't going to begin now. It went on in its self-satisfied squeak, in that, once it has selected its prey, it will completely ignore other attractive targets. She could see all the way across the trials field, and something was coming. It moved through the crowd like the wind through a field of grass. You could plot its progress by the people. Some fainted. Some yelped and turned around. Some ran. Witches stopped their gossip, chairs were overturned, and the shouting started. But it wasn't attacking anything. It was only interested in Tiffany. Like a shark, thought Tiffany, the killer of the sea where worse things happen. Tiffany backed away, the panic filling her up. She bumped into the witches, hurrying towards the commotion, and shouted at them, You can't stop it! You don't know what it is! You'll flail at it and wave glittery sticks, and it will keep coming! It will keep coming! She put her hands into her pockets and touched the lucky stone, and the string, and the piece of chalk. If this was a story, she thought bitterly, I'd trust in my heart and follow my star and all that other stuff, and it would all turn out all right, right now, by tinkly magic. But you're never in a story when you need to be. Story, story, story. The third wish, the third wish, the third wish is the important one. In stories, the genie or the witch or the magic cat offers you three wishes. Three wishes. She grabbed a hurrying witch and looked into the face of Anagramma, who stared at her in terror and tried to carry her away. Please don't do anything to me, please, she cried. I'm your friend, aren't I? If you like. But that wasn't me and I'm better now, said Tiffany, knowing she was lying. It had been her, and that was important. She had to remember that. Quick, Anagramma. What's the third wish? Quickly, when you get three wishes, what's the third wish? Anagramma's face screwed up into the affronted frown she wore when something had the nerve not to be understandable. But why do... Don't think about it, please, just answer. Well, there uh, could be anything, being invisible or, or blonde or anything, Anagramma burbled, her mind coming apart at the seams. Tiffany shook her head and let her go. She ran to an old witch who was staring at the commotion. Please, mistress, this is important. In stories, what's the third wish? Don't ask me why, please, just remember. Uh, oh, happiness, it's happiness, isn't it? said the old lady. Yes, definitely. Health, wealth and happiness. Now, if I was you, I'd... Happiness, happiness? Thank you, said Tiffany, and looked around desperately for someone else. It wasn't happiness, she knew that in her boots. You couldn't get happiness by magic, and that was another clue right there. There was Miss Tick, 
hurrying between the tents. There was no time for half-measures. Tiffany pulled her around and shouted, "'Hello, Miss Tick. Yes, I'm fine. Hope you are well, too. What is the third wish? Quickly, this is important. Please don't argue or ask questions. There isn't time.' Miss Tick, to her credit, hesitated only for a moment or two. "'To have a hundred more wishes, isn't it?' she said. Tiffany stared at her and then said, "'Thank you. It isn't. That's a clue, too.' "'Tiffany, there's a—' Miss Tick began, but Tiffany had seen Granny Weatherwax. She was standing in the middle of the field, in a big square that had been roped off for some reason. No one seemed to notice her. She was watching the frantic witches around the hiver, where there was an occasional flash and sparkle of magic. She had a calm, far-away look. Tiffany brushed Miss Tick's arm away, ducked under the rope, and ran up to her. Granny! The blue eyes turned to her. Yes? In stories, where the genie or the magic frog or the fairy godmother gives you three wishes, what's the third wish? Ah, stories, said Granny. That's easy. Any story worth telling that knows the way of the world, the third wish is the one that undoes the arm the first two wishes caused. Yes, that's it. That's it, shouted Tiffany, and the words piling up behind the question poured out. It's not evil, it can't be. It hasn't got a mind of its own. This is all about wishes, our wishes. It's like in the stories where they... Calm down, take a deep breath, said Granny. She took Tiffany by the shoulders so that she faced the panicking crowd. You got frightened for a moment, and now it's coming and it's not going to turn back, not now, because it's desperate. It don't even see the crowd, they don't mean a thing to it. It's you it wants, it's you it's after. You should be the one who faces it. Are you ready? But supposing I lose? I never got where I am today by supposing I was going to lose, young lady. You beat it once, you can do it again. But I could turn into something terrible. Then you'll face me, said Granny. You'll face me on my ground. But that won't happen, will it? You were fed up with grubby babies and silly women? Then this is the other stuff. It's noon now. They should have started the trials proper, but ha! it looks as though people have forgotten. Now then, do you have it in you to be a witch by noonlight far away from your hills? Yes. There was no other answer. Not to Granny Weatherwax. Granny Weatherwax bowed low and then took a few steps back. In your own time then, madam, she said. Wishes, 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 thought Tiffany, distracted, fumbling in her pockets for the bits to make a shamble. It's not evil. It gives us what we think we want. And what do people ask for? More wishes. You couldn't say, a monster got into my head and made me do it. She'd wished the money was hers. The hiver just took her at her thought. You couldn't say, yes, but I'd never have really taken it. The hiver used what it found, the little secret wishes, the desires, the, the moments of rage, all the things that real humans knew how to ignore. It didn't let you ignore them. Then, as she fumbled to tie the pieces together, the egg flipped out of her hands, trusted in gravity, and smashed on the toe of her boot. She stared at it, the blackness of despair darkening the noon light. Why did I try this? I've never made a shamble that worked, so why did I try? Because I believed it had to work this time, that's why. Like in a story. Suddenly it would all be all right. But this isn't a story, and there are no more eggs. There was a scream, but it was high up, and the sound of it took Tiffany home in the bounce of a heartbeat. It was a buzzard, and the eye of the sun getting bigger in its plunge towards the field. It soared up again as it passed over Tiffany's head, fast as an arrow, and as it did so, something small let go its load on the buzzard's talons with a cry of, Rivens! Rob anybody dropped like a stone, but there was a thwop, and suddenly a balloon of cloth snapped open above him. Two balloons, in fact. Or 
to put it another way, rob anybody had borrowed Hamish's parachute. He let go of them as soon as they'd slowed him down and dropped neatly into the shamble. "'Did you think we'd leave you?' he shouted, holding on to the strings. "'I'm under a geese, me. Get on we it right now.' "'What? I can't,' said Tiffany, trying to shake him off. "'Not with you. I'll kill you. I always crack the eggs.' "'What goose?' "'Dinna argue,' shouted Rob, bouncing up and down in the strings. "'Do it, or you know the hag of the hills, and I know you are.' People were running past now. Tiffany glanced up. She thought she could see the hiver now as a moving shape in the dust. She looked at the tangle in her hands and at Rob's grinning face. The moment twanged. A witch deals with things, said her second thoughts. Get past the I can't. OK. Why hasn't it ever worked before? Because there was no reason for it to work. I didn't need it to work. I need it to help me now. No. I need me to help me. So think about it. Ignore the noise. Ignore the hiver rolling towards me over the trodden grass. She'd used the things she'd had, so that was right. Calm down. Slow down. Look at the shamble. Think about the moment. There were all the things from home. No, not all the things. Not all the things at all. This time she felt the shape of what wasn't there, and tugged at the silver horse around her neck, breaking its chain, then hanging it in the threads. Suddenly her thoughts were as cool and clear as ice, as bright and shiny as they needed to be. Let's see. That looks better there, and that needs to be pulled this way. The movement jerked the silver horse into life, and it spun gently, passing through the threads and Rob Anybody, who said, "'Didna hurt a bit. Keep going.' Tiffany felt a tingle in her feet. The horse gleamed as it turned. "'I dunna want to hurry ye,' said Rob Anybody. "'But hurry!' "'I'm far from home,' thought Tiffany.' in the same clear way, but I have it in my eye. Now I open my eyes. Now I open my eyes again. Ah! Can I be a witch away from my hills? Of course I can. I never really leave you land under wave. Shepherds on the chalk felt the ground shake like thunder under the turf. Birds scattered from the bushes. The sheep looked up. Again the ground trembled. Some people said a shadow crossed the sun. Some people said they heard the sound of hooves. And a boy, trying to catch hares in the little valley of the horse, said the hillside had burst, and a horse had leapt out like a wave as high as the sky, with a mane like the surf of the sea, and a coat as white as chalk. He said it had galloped into the air like rising mist, and flown towards the mountains like a storm. He got punished for telling stories, of course, but he thought it was worth it. The shamble glowed, silver coursed along the threads. It was coming from Tiffany's hand, sparking like stars. In that light, she saw the hiver reach her, and spread out until it was all around her, invisibility made visible. It rippled and reflected the light oddly. In those glints and sparkles, there were faces, wavering and stretching like reflections in water. Time was going slowly. She could see, beyond the wall of hiver, witches staring at her. One had lost her hat in the commotion, but it was hanging in the air. It hadn't had time to fall yet. Tiffany's fingers moved. The hiver shimmered in the air, disturbed like a pond when a pebble has been dropped into it. Tendrils of it reached towards her. She felt its panic, felt its terror as it found itself caught. Welcome, said Tiffany. Welcome, said the hiver in Tiffany's own voice. Yes, you are welcome in this place. You are safe here. No, we are never safe. You are safe here, Tiffany repeated. 
please, said the hiver, shelter us. The wizard was nearly right about you, said Tiffany. You hid in other creatures. But he didn't wonder why. What are you hiding from? Everything, said the hiver. I think I know what you mean, said Tiffany. Do you? Do you know what it feels like to be aware of every star, every blade of grass? Yes, you do. You call it opening your eyes again. But you do it for a moment. We have done it for eternity. No sleep. No rest, just endless, endless experience, endless awareness of everything, all the time. How we envy you, envy you, lucky humans who can close your minds to the endless, cold deeps of space. You have this thing you call boredom. That is the rarest talent in the universe. We heard a song. It went, twinkle, twinkle, a little star. What power! What wondrous power! You can take a billion, trillion tons of flaming matter, a furnace of unimaginable strength, and turn it into a little song for children. You build little worlds, little stories, little shells around your minds, and that keeps infinity at bay and allows you to wake up in the morning without screaming. Completely binkers, said a cheerful voice at the back of Tiffany's memory. You just couldn't keep Dr. Bustle down. Piteous, yes, piteous, said the voices of the hiver. No shield for us, no rest for us, no sanctuary. But you, you withstood us. We saw that in you. You have minds within minds. Hide us. You want silence, said Tiffany. Yes, and more than silence, said the voice of the hiver. You humans are so good at ignoring things. You are almost blind and almost deaf. You look at a tree and see just a tree. A stiff weed. You don't see its history. Feel the pumping of the sap. Hear every insect in the bark. Sense the chemistry of the leaves. Notice the hundred shades of green. The tiny movements to follow the sun. The subtle growth of the wood. But you don't understand us, said Tiffany. I don't think any human could survive you. You give us what you think we want, as soon as we want it. Just like in fairy stories. And the wishes always go wrong. Yes, we know that now. We have an echo of you now. We have understanding, said the hiver. So now we come to you with a wish. It is the wish that puts the others right. Yes, said Tiffany. That's always the last wish, the third wish. It's the one that says, make this not have happened. Teach us the way to die, said the voices of the hiver. I don't know it. All humans know the way said the voices of the hiver. You walk it every day of your short, short lives. You know it. We envy you your knowledge. You know how to end. You are very talented. I must know how to die, Tiffany thought. Somewhere deep down, let me think. Let me get past the I can't. She held up the glittering shamble. Shafts of light still spun off it, but she didn't need it any more. She could hold the power in the centre of herself. It was all a matter of balance. The light died. Rob Anybody was still hanging in the threads, but all his hair had come unplatted and stood out from his head in a great red ball. He looked stunned. "'I could just mudder a kebab,' he said. Tiffany lowered him to the ground, where he swayed slightly. Then she put the rest of the shamble in her pocket. "'Thank you, Rob,' she said. "'But I want you to go now. It could get serious.' 
It was, of course, the wrong thing to say. I'm not leaving, he snapped. I promised Jeanie to keep you safe. Let's get on with it. There was no arguing. Rob was standing in that half-crouch of his, fists bunched, chin out, ready for anything and burning with defiance. Thank you, said Tiffany, and straightened up. Death is right behind us, she thought. Life ends, and there's death, waiting. So it must be close. Very close. It would be a door, yes, an old door, old wood, dark too. She turned. Behind her, there was a black door in the air. The hinges would creak, she thought. When she pushed it open, they did. So, she thought, this isn't exactly real. I'm telling myself a story I can understand about doors, and I'm fooling myself just enough for it all to work. I just have to keep balanced on that edge for it to go on working too. That's as hard as not thinking about a pink rhinoceros, and if Granny Weatherwax can do that, I can too. Beyond the door, black sand stretched away under a sky of pale stars. There were some mountains on the distant horizon. "'You must help us through,' said the voices of the hiver. "'If you'll take my advice, you'll no do that,' said Rob Anybody from Tiffany's ankle. "'I dunna trust the scanner kind of one wee bitty.' "'There's part of me in there. I trust that,' she said. "'I did say you don't have to come, Rob.' "'Oh, aye, and I'm to see you go through there alone, am I? "'You'll not find me leaving you now.' "'You've got a clan and a wife, Rob. "'Aye, and so I will not dishonour them "'by letting you step across death's threshold alone,' "'said Rob anybody firmly. "'So,' thought Tiffany as she stared through the doorway, "'this is what we do. "'We live on the edges. "'We help those who can't find the way.' "'She took a deep breath and stepped across. "'Nothing much changed. "'The sand felt gritty underfoot "'and crunched when she walked over it as she expected.' But when it was kicked up, it fell back as slowly as thistledown, and she hadn't expected that. The air wasn't cold, but it was thin and prickly to breathe. The door shut softly behind her. Thank you, said the voices of the hiver. What do we do now? Tiffany looked around her and up at the stars. They weren't ones that she recognised. You die, I think, she said. But there is no me to die said the voices of the hiver. There is only us. Tiffany took a deep breath. This was about words, and she knew about words. Here is a story to believe, she said. Once we were blobs in the sea, and then fishes, and then lizards and rats, and then monkeys and hundreds of things in between. This hand was once a fin. This hand once had claws. In my human mouth I have the pointy teeth of a wolf and the chisel teeth of a rabbit and the grinding teeth of a cow. Our blood is as salty as the sea we used to live in. When we're frightened, the hair on our skin stands up just like it did when we had fur. We are history. Everything we've ever been on the way to becoming us, we still are. Would you like the rest of the story? Tell us, said the hiver. I'm made up of the memories of my parents and grandparents, all my ancestors. They're in the way I look, in the colour of my hair, and I'm made up of everyone I've ever met who's changed the way I think. So, who is me? The piece that just told us that story, said the hiver. The piece that's truly you. Well, yes, but you must have that too. You know you say you're us. Who is it saying it? Who is saying you're not you? You're not different from us. We're just much, much better at forgetting. 
and we know when not to listen to the monkey. You've just puzzled us, said the hiver. The old bit of our brains that wants to be head monkey and attacks when it's surprised, said Tiffany. It reacts, it doesn't think. Being human is knowing when not to be the monkey or the lizard or any of the other old echoes. But when you take people over, you silence the human part. You listen to the monkey. The monkey doesn't know what it needs, only what it wants. No, you are not an us. You are a I. I, me, said the hiver. I, who am I? Do you want a name? That helps. Yes, a name. I've always liked Arthur as a name. Arthur, said the hiver. I like Arthur too. And if I am, I can stop. What happens next? The creatures you took over, didn't they die? Yes, said the Arthur. But we, uh, but I didn't see what happened. They just stopped being here. Tiffany looked around at the endless sand. She couldn't see anybody, but there was something out there that suggested movement. It was the occasional change in the light, perhaps, as if she was catching glimpses of something she was not supposed to see. I think, she said, that you have to cross the desert. What's on the other side? asked Arthur. Tiffany hesitated. Some people think you go to a better world, she said. Some people think you come back to this one in a different body. And some think there's just nothing. They think you just stop. And what do you think? Arthur asked. I think that there are no words to describe it, said Tiffany. Is that true? said Arthur. I think that's why you have to cross the desert, said Tiffany, to find out. I will look forward to it. Thank you. Goodbye, Arthur. She felt the hiver fall away. There wasn't much sign of it, a movement of a few sand grains, a sizzle in the air, but it slid away slowly across the black sand. And bad cess and good riddance to ye, Rob anybody shouted after it. No, said Tiffany, don't say that. Aye, but it killed folk to stay alive. It didn't want to. It didn't know how people work. That was a fine load of blethers you gave it at any rate said Rob admiringly. Not even a Gonagal could make up a load of blethers like that. End of CD 7